This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Hallelujah. Freedom to accomplish all assignments, every hindrance and obstacle to be removed. Amen. The devil comes to lie, to cheat, to deceive, to destroy, and to kill. But thank God, Jesus also comes. He comes to destroy the works of the devil and to set you free and to give us life and give it abundantly. So these are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. An ever-growing kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, and the ever-diminishing kingdom, which is the kingdom of darkness. No matter how thick and how great the darkness is, it can never put out the smallest light. And you are the light of the world. Hallelujah. From the 17th season, we have now come into the 18th season. For God works by seasons. And here we see the 17th season has been a time of great pain, great sorrow, great suffering. Because the enemy knew what was coming next. He went all out to destroy, to deviate, to divert, to divide. Year 17 has been one of the worst years in history. Not only for the church, but for the world itself. More suicides than ever before. More smuggling of women and children and pornography and sex trade like never before in the history of the world. Corruption decay. Not only the human decay and corruption, but even nature begins to rise up in protest. As the earth is violated, the earth begins to react in opposition to what man is doing. The winds, the waves, the sea, all of creatures that are alive, as the scripture says, that all of God's creation is waiting, yearning, longing for the revelation, for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God in the last days. All of God's creation seen and unseen, is crying for your, you and I to come to the role, the plan, the purpose, the assignments that God has given us. Yes, God is waiting for you and me. The 17th season is so important because, listen beloved, when a baby is in the womb of its mother, on the 17th day, on the 17th day, the baby hears his voice. He has a voice. The first organ in your body that is fully formed and matured and functions is the ear. The first organ. It is the only organ that keeps on growing till the day you die. The only organ. That's why when you see a child the ears is small, but when you look at the elderly, you wonder why the ears are so big. <laughs> oh, how, how big ears you have, Grandpa. The ear grows. God is saying to us, as we walk with him, we have the capability to hear his voice louder and clearer. It is the voice of God. It is the voice of God that spoke the world into existence. It is the voice of God that walked in the garden and fellowship with Adam and with Eve. This voice is what the child hears first. On the 17th day, it hears the voice of its mother or father usually. And the ears pop open. And it hears the voice of those that love him. That is if he's a wanted child. He's a welcome child. He senses the joy, the excitement of hearing mother's voice. 
father's voice. John the Baptist, six months old, in the womb of his mother. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was coming to visit them. And as she walked into the house, she just said, Shalom. She just said, Peace. And the moment her voice was heard, because she was full of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist, in the womb, six months old, heard her voice as she walked into the house, just said the word Shalom. And he leaped and he danced in the womb. And the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Six months old. That's why this same John, when Jesus was 30 years old and Jesus was coming for water baptism, this John saw Jesus coming in the crowd and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. He is coming and I'm unworthy even to undo his shoelace. I'm not fit to carry his sandals. It is he that should baptize me. But then John turned to the world and he said, He is the one that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Because when I was in my womb, in the womb of my mother, 17, I was just six months old, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. He heard his voice. And if you have heard the voice of God, you are honored. You are privileged. You have been favored. So don't despise divine favors. Because he's calling you to life. He's calling you to partnership with the divine. He's calling you from the earth to the heavens. Hallelujah. From death to life. 17 years, 17 days old, the year is open. Now, it never stops growing. Now, remember, the year never dies. Whether you're young or old, your years will always be open, even after you die. Jesus comes and stands before the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, who is dead four days. And in the Middle East, because of the heat, the moment you die in, during that day itself, they have to bury you because the body decays very fast. That's why they bury you immediately. And so he's buried in a tomb. Four days goes by. It was a divine delay. Is something being delayed in your life? That you know rightly yours. He comes and stands before the tomb. He's in the graveyard. There are thousands of tombs. And he comes and he weeps. He identifies with our sorrow. He identifies with our loss. God became man. So that he can walk in our shoes. He's touched by all our infirmities and weaknesses and failure. Though he was God, he put aside his divinity. He chose to be among us. He chose to be with you. He came down. Hallelujah. He stood before all the tombs. And he said, Lazarus. Thank God he only said Lazarus. Because if he said come forth, all would have come forth. Which he will the next time. He knows your name. He knows you better than yourself. And he said come forth and he came forth. Lazarus who was dead heard his voice. The dead will hear. First Thessalonians 4. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those 
who, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those that are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The living and the dead both hear the same sound and the voice and they both respond. Sea will give up her dead. The earth will give up the dead. Those that have been burned will come forth. We, this is a mystery. It is a mystery. But this is how God works. We will hear the trumpet, we will hear the voice, and the dead will rise. So your ears will never die. That's why in the book of Revelation to every church, it comes to the churches and he says, he that hath a ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. You have a ear. Who are you hearing? For you become what you hear and see. For he who gets your ears gets your heart. The devil out there in this world they are clamoring. That's why they control the media. That's why they control all the voices. There are a million voices out there clamoring for your attention to destroy you. But there is one voice from above that keeps calling. Come home. I am your home. Come back. I'm waiting for you, my prodigal son. You left me and you've gone on your own and had your fun and had all your laughter and except that the world could offer you. And you've ended up with the pigs. Hoping the pigs will leave over some food and pigs don't leave over any food. And he came to himself. I will go back to my father. I would go back for his servants at home are better than me now. I've lost everything that my father gave me. Will my father accept me? Will he embrace me? I will ask him, please let me be a servant in your home. But the father was waiting, longing for his son to return. Who's out there? Son, daughter, is <laughs> calling you. I'm pointing to that direction because you're sitting there. There is a prodigal there that God wants to give you back your shoes uh, and give you back your ring uh, and give you back your royal clothes because you are living in shame and regret. But the father is saying, come home. Come home. So this baby is in the womb. 17 days old. It hears the voice and the triggers is yours to be open to hear the voice of those that love him. Can you imagine what a baby in the womb is hearing what the father and mother are saying? Is an unwanted baby? Is a rejected baby? Is a mistake baby? The sadness. The rejection. The pain, the sorrow, the misery that child grows up in the womb, not loved at all. And when they are born, wonder you wonder what's wrong with them. From the womb rejected. From the womb unwanted. From the womb unloved. I say to you, beloved, and you believe me this. Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. The first sign, listen carefully, especially you from this nation. The first sign of divine acceptance. You forget everything else in this sermon, this service, 
Just remember this. The first sign of divine acceptance is human rejection. For he said, even if your father and your mother will forsake you, I will not. I will not leave you fatherless, but I will come to you. I will comfort you. I will teach you. I will guide you. For I knew you before I laid the foundations of this world. Before I knit your invisible parts. I knew you by name. And I gave you an assignment. <laughs> the first sign of, human re of uh, divine acceptance is human rejection. He came to his own, his own received him, not. But there are many out there who will receive you. What is the second sign of, di of divine acceptance? Human betrayal. Because he cannot betray. He was betrayed. You've been rejected. You've been betrayed. It's all over you. That shows God will accept you. Willingly. Open arms. He puts worth and value in you. Because he created you for a divine purpose. I'm speaking to you. He sees the gold in you while others see dirt. He sees gold. Hallelujah. The baby is confined in the womb. And the moment its ears are open, he's in the womb 17 days. He then knows he has got a work to do. That is, he's got to go through the passageway. He's got to come out of these limitations. He has to break forth from this confinement. He must come out of this cave of his security. And he looks at that womb through which he has to go. And for the first time in the womb, after hearing the voice of those that love him, the baby smiles. Hallelujah. Although it is in limitation, although it is confined, although it is restricted, although it is totally dependent on mother and father for breathing, for eating, for everything. At that moment, yes, the year 17, the 17th season, everyone who walks with God, we have felt the confinement. We have felt the restriction. We have felt the limitations. We have felt like we are in a prison. Some of us want to just withdraw into the cave for security. Some of us wish we were never conceived. Not only we feel the rejection of all those around, we come finally to a time of self-rejection. If you do not handle the rejection of others in your life, soon you will come to a place of rejecting yourself. And that's not God. He came, they rejected him. So we are, you were, 17th year was a year of such confinements. And if there were two in the womb, like Esau and Jacob, I mean, they were wrestling inside also. <laughs> and even in the womb, we have been wrestling. The 17th year has been a very, very bad year. That's why the theme, when I spoke at the beginning of 17, I told my people this theme will be the kingdom of, of heaven suffereth violence, but the violence taken by force. The kingdom of God progresses aggressively and the aggressive take it by force. And how true it was fulfilled all over the world. <laughs> so you're not the only one that went through difficulties. You're not the only one who wept day and night. 
You're not the only one who wished you could just disappear. You're not the only one who felt your prayers only stayed within the womb. Can you identify with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I'm talking to you about what you went through. If the devil has left you alone, then you better find out why. You know, the great John Wesley was one day, you know, that, that's one of the greatest men, apostles that ever lived. The Methodist churches all over the world. But listen, one day he was on his horse and he realized, God, for three days, nobody persecuted me. No stones were thrown at me. I've not been accused and slandered. Is something wrong with me? So he stopped his horse. He got down and he knelt down. He said, oh God, please examine my life. Why Satan left me alone for three days? And suddenly he heard screaming and yelling. He saw the stones fall beside him. And he looked back. He saw the people coming to get him. And he said, hallelujah. <laughs> Everything is fine. The devil is mad. And so he jumped on his horse. And hallelujah, he went off. If the devil left you alone, then you could be one of his children. It's a war for the kingdom of God. Suffer the violence and the violent take it by force. And we've seen it. And I myself in my prayer in the mornings, I cried to God. Oh God, I wish I'd never spoken these words. Because listen, when the prophets speak, they also become victim to what they speak. But that was God's word. It'll come to pass. So this little child smiles. Listen, beloved, you just came out of 17. I want you to look at 18 with all the challenges because you have to fight through the passageway, come out of the womb into a wider world, into a greater world where there's no limitations, where there's no boundary, where all obstacles are removed. You're coming to an open space. So this baby looks at it and smiles at 18. Hallelujah. If I've overcome 17, I will overcome 18. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Smile. It puts your enemy into confusion. Smile. And the devil will wonder what's going on. That's why when we are in trouble, God says, worship me. He says, dance. He says, laugh. Have a good time. Because he throws the camp of the enemy into confusion. That's why your pastor's wife, your, your pastor's wife here, that's what she's doing. <laughs> Getting you to sing, to dance, to throw the enemy's camp into confusion. Hallelujah. Yes, the water breaks. When the water breaks, you feel very disturbed. Water is rising. What's happening? Yes, when the water breaks, hallelujah, it means you are being set free. Yes, it means the way is open now. The bondage is broken. There's a new world out there. There's a new challenge out there. The umbilical cord that held you back in 17 is severed now. It's broken now. You are free now. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a hand. You are free. New challenges, greater challenges. The cord that limited you has now become unlimited. The water bag that held you gave you life. Yes, it was good for that season. But now you cannot stay there anymore because you're going to grow bigger. You're going to far run further. You're going to accomplish your dreams. What you come into this world for. Hallelujah. Amen. God has you in mind. Your life will, come, will be changed. The church life has to explode. 
The church doesn't exist for its membership. It exists for its non-membership. The church is the only institution on planet Earth that does not exist for its membership. It exists for its non-members. Hallelujah. Your religious life come out of it because God did not come to start a new religion. There are enough religions in the world. He came to give you a divine life. He said, like, follow me and I will make you. Make you just like me. So come out of all the limitations. Come out of all your confinements. Come out of your, all your imprisonments. Break forth from this mentality. Every chain broken. Every shackle broken. Every hook the enemy put in you to hook you and hold you back. You are loosed. You are released. Yes, you are released. So be free. Amen. Another thing the Lord said here was here in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I want you to see this picture up there. Whether you've got it there, light of the world. Jesus, the light of the world. Now, he's standing outside. Listen, this is a message to the last church in the book of Revelation. This is the last day church. He's standing outside. The church is inside. He's standing outside. And he's knocking at the door. He still knocks. If any man, listen carefully, he says, if any man inside there will hear my voice and hear the knocking and open the door, he said, then I will come in. There are a lot of churches all over the world that are going on in their churchy activities, keeping the club going. Competing with the church next door instead of competing with the devil. Stealing fish from other people's ponds instead of going to open sea. Stealing sheep that are not theirs and deceiving themselves and others. What deception! That has come into the church. For in the last days, there will be a fall away from the church. He's not talking about the world. The world is the world. And the world is behaving like the world. God's problem is the church. He's standing outside. But all the activities are going on inside in his name. But he's not in, he's outside. What about your life? Is he inside or outside? What about your church? Is he inside or outside? Who's the head of your church? You or him? He's outside. And he keeps knocking. But listen, beloved, look at that painting again. You see there he's knocking and you look at his feet. See that picture again. Look there, he's knocking. But if you see his feet, his feet are not facing the door. They're facing the street because he knows through years of experience he can knock, he can call, he can plead, he can wait. But he knows they will not open the door. But he still does not give up. That's why he's facing the door, but his feet are facing the street. Yes, you may claim you're hearing his voice. Yes, you may claim he's knocking at your door. But is he outside or inside? There's a song I used to sing when I was a little child in the, in the Sunday school about 200 years ago. <laughs> and it goes like this. One door and only one. Yet its sides are two. Inside and outside. Which side are you? One door and only one. Yet its sides are two. I'm on the inside. On which side are you? 
Oh, we sing the song, careful little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see, see what you hear, hands what you do, feet where you go. Oh, beloved, God's problem is not the little eyes and the little hands and the little ears. His problem is the big eyes, the big ears. So change, let's change that song. Don't sing it in the Sunday school. Sing it in the worship morning worship service. Oh, be careful, big eyes, big ears. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is he outside or inside? This is the last day church is talking about. The 18th time Abraham is mentioned in the Bible, he's coming out of Egypt with Sarah. He was deceived. He made wrong judgments, went into Egypt for his survival. He even deceived, tried to deceive Pharaoh and deceive his wife and said, she's not my mm, wife, she's my sister. He was saying, I'm not ready to die for my wife. But I don't mind, she died for me. So to save my life, I will say to Pharaoh, she's my sister. And she was almost 80 years old, yet she was so beautiful that caused young Pharaoh to want to have her as his wife. Where did their beauty come from? It's not the external beauty, although she was very rich, well decorated. Oh, she dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> but that's not where her beauty came from. The Bible says it came from inside. And that caused young Pharaoh to want to marry her. And so here was the husband, a prophet, an apostle, mighty man of faith. He said, Nehemiah, Sarah, I'll sacrifice you. The Bible said husbands must be willing to die for their wives. Husbands, listen carefully. Are you willing to die for your wives? No, no, no. It, it, it does not say... It does not say before you got married. Because before you got married, you want to die for her. <laughs> but it says when she is your wife. Uh, the same way Jesus gave his life for his bride, so is a husband to be willing to lay down his life for his wife. That makes him a man. But we don't have too many men around. Die for my wife, not the wife dies for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he was not telling the truth. He was trying to deceive his wife. That's why God stopped speaking to him. As long as you're telling lies and you're trying to deceive my daughter, I'm not going to speak to you. Because it's not only God of Abraham, it's also God of Sarah. It's not only the father of faith, it's the mother of faith. It's not only father of nations, the mother of nations. And here, Abraham, remember, it is she that conceives, not you. For everything I do, I begin in the womb of a woman, not the man. That's why Jesus is called the seed of the woman. He's never called the seed of Abraham. He's always called the seed of Sarah. Because everything God does on planet earth, he begins in the womb of a woman. So when he came, he came through a womb of a woman. If he does not come through the womb of a woman, then he's not human, he's demon. So she, he didn't speak to him until he repented. 
That's why I said this morning, if God's not speaking to you, ask your wife. She will tell you why. God's not speaking to you, man. Go in prayer. You can ask your wife, what did I do wrong? Why God doesn't speak to me? That's why he gave us wives. I was preaching at a wedding one time and I said, you must be willing to die for your wife. The man said, I'm already dead. Hallelujah. The 18th time the name of Jesus is mentioned in the book of Luke, it speaks about a woman that was bound for 18 years. And behold, there was a woman who had been spirit of infirmity 18 years. She was bent over. She couldn't stand straight. How many of us are children of Abraham? And we find so much of burden, so much of discouragement. We are bent over. We want to stand straight, but we can't. You go to church, you hear all the religious stuff. But they don't solve your problems. They add to you, actually. And she's bound. And she comes and she meets Jesus. This is the 18th time Jesus' name is mentioned. And this is the 18th time, 18 years, the woman is bound. A believer, faithful coming every Saturday. Faithful, but still bound. Faithful, cannot stand straight. Are you hunchback? Are you carrying a burden? Are you so discouraged you can't stand straight? But that day, it was the 18th season. It was the 18th year. And Jesus said, woman, hallelujah, be loosed. Woman, be set free. The 18th season, the opposition is there. The challenges are there. The burden is there. But you stand straight. And walk straight. And talk straight. Be loose. This 18th season. Hallelujah. So he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. Glorified God. And of course the religious hypocrites that we see all over the place were very angry that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day as though they could heal any other day. Yes, when you start doing the works of God, it is the people inside, the people you think you're friends, you think you're, you're part of the church, they will rise up. The world will rejoice, but those inside will betray you. Because betrayal is from inside, not outside. Rejection is from inside, not outside. So expect this. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he sets her free. Oh, he says, you know, you set a donkey free. You set everybody free. Why don't you set this person free? So the 18th season is a time that God wants to straighten things up. In the midst of crookedness, he will straighten up. In the midst of lies, deception, and manipulation, he will make you go straight. So that's the time Abraham not only came out of Egypt, but that's when the Lord told him, deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. This is a season, I don't have to convince you, the world has to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't ignore it. I'm dealing with it on a big scale. Yes, I'm dealing with it. It's shameful. It's disgrace. But Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, it will be in the last days. You see, these so-called educated idiots, they did not know about that. These fools who call themselves wise, they didn't know. They think it is progress. No. Somebody spoke about it thousands of years ago. When this happens, sign of the last days. It'll happen again. Man has never changed. He only uses different terms, different names, but it's the same dirt. Wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
and he will be judged. Praise God. You have to deal with it, Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, beloved, as I come to a close, let me share this with you. I've gone through a lot of things. We did not come thus far by accident. Because that word accident is not found in the Bible. God does not make accidents. You may look like an accident, but you're not an accident. You may look like a mistake, but in the language of God, there is no word mistake. You may think it's impossible. No, God says all things are possible. <laughs> I came to a place where I come before God and I must confess. When I come and pray, I'm complaining more than praying. And I get so upset. I get so hurt. So disappointed. So I said to the Lord one day when I was praying, I said, Lord, I, I give up. Can you just let me go? Either you take me home or you let me go. <laughs> you see, if I knew when I got saved and you called me to ministry, that all these things I've got to go, to go through, I would not have accepted it. <laughs> so Lord, I've been cleaning. This is the word I use. I said, I've been cleaning the sinners. I've been cleaning the drug addicts, alcoholics. I'm picking up prostitutes, prisoners, unwanted pregnancies. I was, was one of the first person in our country to start all this. And I'm feeding every day between six to 7,000 meals every day. We are the largest feeding program in the country. And Lord, we have been instrumental in planting almost 3,000 congregations worldwide. Lord, there are 17 languages in my congregation. And Lord, why the pain? <laughs> why the sorrow? Why the sleeplessness? God, I've been cleaning and cleaning and cleaning everybody until I had enough because when I clean somebody, I take their dirt. I clean them, the dirt comes on me. Not only that, they go outside and said, that dirt is mine. <laughs> I started a home for destitute women. Women in the street, dying, no family. Picked them up. Tremendous testimony. But the story goes out, oh, those are all his women. Who cannot walk, who cannot stand, who are blind, who are deaf and dumb, paralyzed and start a home for children, abandoned, abused, often. Oh, those must be his children. Then he start a home for unwanted pregnancies, girls getting pregnant, a 12-year-old girl, 14-year-old girls pregnant. So we take them, house them. Oh, why he started that? Maybe he made them pregnant. feeding thousands of people where did he get the money from maybe he's smuggling maybe he's doing something in the black market and so letters are written to the police to the government to the newspapers everywhere get this guy so I said Lord enough not only am I suffering my wife my children Lord why should they go through all this Lord, Lord, please, can you please, uh, uh, I want to stop all this, all this dirt on me. And then I kept quiet to listen to what he had to say. And he said to me, listen carefully. He said, I am a cleaner. You are a cleaner? <laughs> say yes, I am a cleaner. From Adam until now, 
I am in the cleaning business. I clean with my voice. I clean with my spirit. I clean with my word. I clean with my blood. Yes. I became a man. I took their shame. I took their blame. We sing it, but are we practicing it? He said, I took their shame on me. I took their ugliness and put it on me until people were mocking me. I took every sickness, every disease, known and unknown to man, and I put it on myself. I, who was holy and perfect, took all the filth of the world, and I became sin for their sake. And he said, Henry, I am a cleaner. I clean tears. I clean feet. I clean the leper. What others don't touch, I touch. I am a cleaner. But anytime you want to stop, you can't stop. Then I said, Lord, I'll never bring this up again. <laughs> because you are a cleaner, I am also a cleaner. Many times it happens, as I was sitting there, the Lord downloaded, he says, share with them that. He's calling you to be cleaners because he has cleaned you with his blood. And if necessary, with your tears, with your sweat, with your blood, clean others. And then you become, he saved you so that now you become savior. He healed you so that now you become healer. He delivered you, now you become deliverer. Hallelujah. So when you have this kind of a mind, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought himself, you know, he, he didn't think it was robbery to stay equal with God, but he took upon himself. He took upon himself the form of a servant. God became a servant and he became obedient. Obedient even unto the death of the cross. He humbled himself and he became obedient even to the cross. He was dumb. He could have spoken, but he chose not. He could have argued, he could have not. He who oh, spoke and the blind and the blind began to see, he could speak and make the seeing blind. He who spoke to the winds and waves and he calmed them, he could speak again and he could provoke them. He who touched and brought life to the dead, he could speak again and bring death to the living. But he did not. That's why the devil said to him, hey, you are hanging on the cross. Why don't you come down? He could have. But he came for this purpose. What was the purpose? To lay down my life. I am laying it down. Nobody is taking it from me. Listen, nobody is taking it from me. For this authority the Father has given to me. I lay down my life on my own accord. Therefore, I can pick it up on my own accord. <laughs> and he died. And he took this humbling step. God became flesh. He became sin for our sake. And for that reason, God lifted him up seven times and sat him down beside the Father at which every knee will bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God in heaven, on earth, and hell that Jesus is Lord. Are you willing to follow that footsteps? Proudly go to the slaughter. Laugh at the executor. I am a cleaner. 
What a job. You go everywhere, you find the cleaners everywhere. Jesus said, I came from heaven to clean the earth up. Are you willing to be a cleaner in your home? Clean in your home, clean at the neighbors, clean in school, clean at work, clean in church. Are you a son? Are you a hireling? Are you a son? Are you, are, are, are you a slave? But if you are a son, you do everything because you are not paid. You don't have a salary. You don't work for that. You work because your father gives you the inheritance. You want inheritance or you want a salary? You want inheritance or you want a title? You want inheritance or you want a badge? You want an inheritance or you want some other benefits? Say no to everything. I am a son. I have the inheritance. The kingdom of God is also mine. So embrace your cross. It's your victory chariot. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. And I will make you. <laughs> Let's rise to our feet. Every head bowed. I just want total silence so that you could hear his voice. Some of you will feel his embrace. Some of you will feel his, your, his touch on your shoulder. Some of you will feel right beneath your belly a leap. He loves you. You are my son, my daughter. Yes, you've just gone through the 17th season. I know. I brought you through all that because it was necessary. But now I want you to look at 18 and smile. <laughs> because here in the midst of all opposition, you're going to stand straight. Yes, you're going to come out of Egypt. You're going to be straight with your wife. That makes you a man. That will cause the powers of darkness to withdraw. For whom God put together, let no one, let nothing put asunder. Let no devil let no one put asunder. For this reason a man leaves his father, leaves his mother. He cleaves to his wife. And, he, and the two become one. We want that oneness. Because that oneness will cause the enemy to withdraw. Man, when you rise up to your manhood, then the Delilah in your house will withdraw. I challenge you to rise. Smile at the future. You're going to stand straight. No more bent over. He has come to release you. Be loosed. He's called you to be a son, a daughter. He's calling you to sonship. He's calling you to reign, to face the enemy, subdue the enemy. Yes, this enemy is in your homes. That's where he begins. In the home and then in the church and then in the workplace. And then the nation. Let 
tonight as you stand in his presence, let the Holy Spirit perform a surgery in you. Take out all that God did not put in. Uproot from your hearts, your minds, your lives, what God did not plant. Lord, I speak over this body of yours. Cleansed by your blood. Cleansed by your word. Cleansed by your spirit. Cleansed by your voice. You are, you are a washer. You are a cleaner. Thank you for cleaning us. So we'll become weapons of warfare in your hands. To push back the darkness. To push back the gates of hell. And to set people free. Oh, Father, forgive us where we have stopped cleaning. We realize tonight you are a cleaner. Use me to clean. Open my eyes to see what you see. Open my ears to hear what you are saying. Use my hands. For David said, unless my hands are clean, and my heart is clean, and my lips are clean, I cannot ascend. You want to ascend? Only when you ascend that holy hill, God descends to meet you. But the qualification is clean your hands, clean your heart, clean your mouth. And then you will ascend. And he will descend to meet you. And the anointing will flow on your head, down your face, down your ears, down your eyes, down your beard, down your body, down to your feet. Because your hands are clean, hearts clean, and your mouth is clean. You will ascend God's holy hill. God will descend to anoint you. So I look into the womb of this congregation tonight. I don't want to give an altar call because you are at the altar now. Amen. How shall we call a house of prayer for all nations? And we are at his altar. We are at his feet. So I speak over you, life. Lord, I stretch my hand as you commanded Moses to stretch his hand over Israel to bless your people. And so I bless them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and to give you rest and peace. May the Lord add to you, increase you and multiply you. And may the Lord establish you May the Lord bless your tithes, your offerings, your praises, your worship, your dance, everything that you set your hand to do. I command in Jesus' name, it shall prosper. Everything. At home, at work, at play, in governments. And may the Lord add to you Grace, exceeding grace, abundant grace, far more than you could even imagine to ask of Him. He's able to do and He will do. For you shall speak to the mountain of opposition and you will decree grace, grace. And that mountain that cannot be moved shall become a plain. Because divine favor, divine grace is upon you. I look into the womb of this congregation and this ministry and I call for from the praying womb of this church. Give birth to sons and daughters. Give birth to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Give birth, come forth. Barren womb, I command you to be fruitful. Be fruitful. 
Oh, not only be fruitful, I command twins. It will always be twins. Come forth, manifest. Silence the enemy. Yes. Cripple every accusing finger. Reverse, nullify, cancel every demonic assignment against this ministry. In the name of Yeshua. Life, life, multiplication, for the land is yours. He said, I will bless the land. And this nation that was meant to be a first nation, meant to be an example, meant to flourish with abundance, flowing with milk and honey, will once again rise up to its destiny. It will fulfill its divine assignment. For you shall bless this continent and beyond. In Yeshua's name, we have spoken it. Command the angels to bear record. Write it down. It has been decreed, declared. It shall come to pass. Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.